What if you could have a career where the opportunities are as vast as our nation, where it's not about mission statements, but a shared mission? At U.S. Customs and Border Protection, we go beyond to protect more than borders, from ship to shore, air to ground, cities to local communities. CBP agents and officers are keeping people safe. Join U.S. Customs and Border Protection and go beyond for something far greater than yourself. Learn more at cbp.gov careers. Temple University is ranked among the top 50 public universities in the U.S. Through hands-on learning opportunities and world-class faculty, Temple students are prepared to soar in their careers. Schedule a campus tour today at admissions.temple.edu visit. The topics and opinions expressed on the following show are solely those of the host and their guests and not those of W4CS Radio, its employees, or affiliates. W4CS makes no recommendations or endorsements for radio show programs, services, or products mentioned on air or on our web. Any questions or comments should be directed to those show hosts. Thank you for listening to the Cancer Support Network on W4CS.com. Welcome to Breast Friends Cancer Support Radio. Your hosts are Becky Olson and Sharon Hennepin. Our show is here to help breast cancer patients, survivors, their friends and family with the resources, support, and inspiration they can use right now. Here are your hosts, Sharon and Becky. Welcome to Breast Friends Cancer Support Radio. My name is Becky Olson. I have battled breast cancer five times in the last 23 years. I'm also a motivational speaker, a speaker mentor, and the published author of The Hat That Saved My Life. Hi, I'm Sharon Hennepin, and I'm a 25-year survivor, a certified life coach, and the author of my book, Thriving Beyond Cancer. Becky and I are also the co-founders of Breast Friends. And I wanted to say, too... I love the way you just changed that up, Becky, because like we talked about a few weeks ago Mm -hmm. about like not owning your cancer, like, Mm -hmm. you know, I love that. Good job. Well, thank you. I don't remember what I said, but I'll have to go back and listen. (laughs) (laughs) Well, Sharon, welcome back. It feels like it's been forever since we have been on a live program because we've both been in some transitional times right now and that's the topic of our conversation today but we you know we've both been kind of going through some stuff and so we've just set up replays for our audience and I hope you haven't gotten bored listening to the same things but you know it's been a while on some of them but we are back we'll have a live episode today obviously and we'll have another one next week and hopefully we'll kind of (laughs) keep the ball rolling here for a little while (laughs) through all this but but Sharon you've been all over the world here recently it seems like oh yes I had the the pleasure of spending like three weeks in Italy and I love Italy, I tell you. I, I, I know. <laughs> this, this time I got to go to Sicily, which I hadn't done before. Wow. So is and this then, your third trip or second trip to Italy? Third, well, third trip where I've actually been in Italy. So, okay. Um, so yeah. we're, we're even We're even now. Yay, okay. Well, you did spend a month, though, in Rome. I know, that, that part's true. That probably, <laughs> well, I won't be able to catch up with that one for a while. <laughs> Yeah, that was that. I'll tell you that we spent, we got that Airbnb in the heart of Rome, 
and use that as our kind of our home base. And I took trains everywhere, visited a lot of places, as you know. And I'll tell you, there's no, something really special about Italy. Maybe it's because I've got Italian genes. I don't know. I don't know. I'm not, I'm I don't have a lick that. of them, and I just love that place. So I don't know if it has anything to do with that. <laughs> I don't know. But it sure is a beautiful, beautiful place. So anyway, welcome back. So Sharon, today, as we know, our topic is going to be about transitions. And in some circles, you know, in this cancer, in the cancer community, a lot of people refer to that as the quote new norm, and you know, and we're both going through some transitions in our own life right now, and so we are actually going to go a little bit deep on this subject. But I'm curious, why is it seems anyway that that term, the new norm, is only used for cancer survivors? I have never heard it used in any other applications. Have you? You know, that's a good question. I don't think I have either. And I don't really like it, actually. But, I don't. You know. I don't either. And, and when you think about the quote new norm, it really is just a transition from one thing into another because what was normal before is no longer normal. Now this is normal, and it happens all through our life. You know, we we get married. That's definitely a new norm. <laughs> we have children. You know, when when you take that's your, an adjustment. That, that's a <laughs> Big adjustment. And then, you know, you, you're raising your children home when they're little and, and then they go off to kindergarten and it's like, okay, now what do I do with all this time on my hand? So, you know, they, we go through these, quote, new norms all the time and and it's a new norm for the parents. It's a new norm for the children. You know, we switch schools, we move, that's all new norm. And so it's, but we kind of reserve that term for those of us going through cancer. And I I don't think that's right. <laughs> I think we should spread the wealth a little bit. Don't yeah, yeah. But I, like I said, I, I would like to come up with a new term. Maybe we'll come up with one. But, you know, the thing is about transitions, they can be big or they yeah. can be little, you know. And some, of course, we choose and some are thrust upon us. And... Um, and we're not necessarily quite ready for them, right? And, yep. and it's all we choose them and then wish we hadn't. <laughs> yeah, true. That's very true too. And no. and again, it's just it's just a phase of life. And a part of part of dealing with any sort of transition is um, if if you know it's coming, of course, getting your mind kind of wrapped around what it is that that this may or may not. Um, present to you, you know, and, and think about the positive things of it. Think about the the exciting things that are about it and not dwell on maybe the stuff that we're not really looking forward to. Yeah, no, I agree with you. And, you know, when you think about, <clears throat> like you said, some of the things that are thrust upon us and we, you know, we end up facing these these new norms for things that really are kind of beyond our control sometimes. Sometimes they're in our control, but but they're still not happy things like, you know, going through a divorce. Mm-hmm. You know, when somebody's mm-hmm. going through divorce and I had a beautiful lady come to my home and and she helped me clean it as we we're moving out and she shared with me a, a really sad story about her husband just left her. Just left her without One day. Just yeah, she she got the divorce papers like three days before their anniversary. Oh, and she had, no. And she had no idea it was coming. And then yeah. he just moved out and left her to handle her entire house and get it all. I mean, it's just when you think about things like that happening to someone, mm-hmm. you know, and then I think about g- going through cancer, not to minimize cancer 
at all because it's a really difficult place to be for, you know, at least in some circumstances. But that, what she went through, you know, just dealing with that. And she did come through the other side of it. She's doing missionary work and she's she's a lovely, lovely lady. So, you know, even that, as hard as that was for her, she she pulled through that. And I'm so there, there are ways that, that we can do that. So, Sharon, what are some of the other difficult transitions that you can think of that? Well, I remember, and again, this goes back to my cancer many years ago, but that boom, that immediately going into menopause. <laughs> oh, <Yeah. laughs> my goodness. Talk about a transition. You know, <laughs> so many things were affected by all of a sudden your body not producing estrogen. And in my case, it was because chemotherapy um, one day just basically stopped, <laughs> stopped that estrogen bugger. <laughs> but anyway, <clears throat> but even natural menopause, you know, can be tricky. And and again, that's why some people resort to HRTs and, and you know, hormone replacement therapy and that, those kind of things. But um but again, I think just the aging process. Okay, now for all of you who've maybe been listening to the show for a while, um, my picture everywhere has dark hair. Well, guess what? <laughs> I've been coloring it since I went through chemo about 40 years old. And unfortunately, it was very white underneath there. And so, you know, a few months ago, I talked to my daughter, who's a hairstylist, and I'm like, okay, child, how do I do this? You know, I want to try to go natural. <laughs> and um, now I'm completely white-haired. And But, you know, the cool thing is, it actually doesn't look too bad. I was no, so it looks afraid. great. I was so afraid that it would make me look so old and all no, this it kind actually, of stuff. It actually has a blonde tint to it. It's not just, at least that's the way it looks in photos. It's not white, white. I mean, <clears throat> I think it probably is more white than blonde, but in photos yeah. it looks blonde. <clears throat> I remember a couple people said, wow, when did Sharon decide to go blonde? It's like, well, <laughs> actually, she went natural. Exactly. So, no, Very it's beautiful. Yeah, and yeah, and yeah. I know that I know you kind of struggled with that decision I for did. a long time. But and again, that was a decision that I made, but mm-hmm. it didn't. It, it's still that transition that that it was not an easy um, decision to make. And and so now I'm looking back going, okay, this isn't so bad. I'm, I'm okay with it. Um, and, it, of course, it helps when, you, when people notice and they, you know, compliment you. And, I, and that helps, I guess, yeah. reassure you. But, but yeah. even looking in the mirror now, it's not, like, so scary as it was when I was first contemplating this <laughs> idea of going white. So Well, I remember when it first went white after, like you said, after chemo, when you were first going through cancer and you were done yeah. with chemo, your hair yeah. came back. It came back back pretty white then yeah. and I remember one day kind of razzing you about that a little bit I said Sharon you're too young to have that color hair I know I know <laughs> and I was and I felt that way too but well I feel know, bad I said that but oh, um, <laughs> don't ever worry about that but but you know it's funny because fast forward <clears throat> so that was when I was 40 that that all of that happened and I started coloring my hair well fast forward like 15 years um, so about 11 years ago, almost, um, I found my birth mother. Guess what color her hair is? White, really all white. 
So and is her sister. I was going to so, ask you about her sister too. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so I F obviously came by it very naturally. So. <laughs> well, speaking of that situation, that's another transition that you discovered in your life when you started doing all that um, ancestry DNA stuff. Yeah. You started finding siblings everywhere <laughs> and you ended up going to Italy with one of your siblings. I did. did you- I just got back. <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> and that was pretty cool, you know, because Mike, Mike and I've been, you know, friends. I've known about him now for like almost 11 years. Um, And we've had some, you know, great um, fun times together. And, uh, and then he kind of disappeared for a couple years and then he came back. So I'm glad he came back and, and we've um, definitely have a, have a good relationship. And of course, spending three weeks together, you kind of razz each other and just like siblings (laughs) do, right. You know, so (laughs) you kind of have this special, special bond, I think. Um, even though we never grew up together or anything, we've become really good friends, which is nice. Yeah, um, that's good. Yeah. I mean, and then the whole empty nester thing. Now, that probably hit you harder than most because you had five kids. I did. And and I still do, which is well, the lovely part. But, <laughs> um, but yeah, you know, and it, and it can be hard. But I always get a kick out of those commercials on TV where, you know, they, they make the sad face to the kids as they're leaving. And the second the door is shut. They're in there redecorating the room and seeing the possibilities of what can they do now, having all this space, you know, and (laughs) yeah, and, and it's, so it is kind, I mean, I know it's a, it's a commercial and they're selling something. I don't remember what, but, but it's, but it still demonstrates something. We can be mopey about some of these things that, I mean, if, if we have empty nest syndrome, it's because we did our job as parents, you know, and I'm not and, and I'm not saying there's anything wrong with kids that stay home longer, but the goal ultimately, whatever, however old they are, the goal ultimately is to raise them to be self-sufficient and to get out the door and be able to take care of themselves. Exactly. So we need to rejoice in that moment, not kick ourselves and go, oh, you know, poor me. And and I think that's that's part of this transition thing, you know, that that we all kind of deal with is like, oh, how do I get over being so sad about that? You know, right now I'm I'm going through my own transitions, as are you. And I'm just going to take a minute and kind of share with our listeners what's going on. But, um, you know, I, I've, I'm in my, my fifth battle right now with cancer. And I've been on a trial since January. And the first one didn't go so well, the first scan. But the second one seemed to be better. It said it was stable and hadn't grown, which is the exact opposite of the first scan that I had. Um, and I'm on phase two of the trial right now. So we're hoping for a really good outcome. But in the meantime, you know, we've got this big house in in Beaverton, Oregon, and we raised our five kids in this big house, and we love that house. It's right across the street from a park. It's got a beautiful pond and waterfall in the backyard that my husband built. I mean, it's it, it's a beautiful. It was a beautiful home for 27 years. In fact, you know, Sharon, you know what's interesting? 27 years ago today, we bought the house. Oh, 27 funny. years ago today, we're handing the keys to the new owner. I thought that was totally oh, bizarre. Oh, that is. That's <laughs> I didn't realize that till I was looking at the wow. insurance policy date. It, it's th- through today. <laughs> so that's 27 years exactly in that house. But Bill and I have now moved into a, a two-bedroom apartment. And it's a nice apartment. Um, it kind of feels like we're living in a resort. But part of this transition for us at the moment is, you know, we don't know what's going to happen with my health, 
with our kids. I mean, they're all over the country. And by selling our house now, there's a couple things we did for, for our kids. We um, took the pain away from them because if something were to happen to both of us at the same time, the kids would have to come and deal with a big house with 27 years of collection in it. <laughs> you know, oh, I know. And stuff. I agree. I agree that I think that would be almost a mean thing to do. People. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I mean, kids, it's, you know? it's so much when, I mean, we have, we have a mound right now in front of our driveway that's covered in a big blue tarp and we got the junk callers coming at noon today. And I mean, there's, there's gotta be a massive truck loaded with stuff that, you know, <laughs> now it might have been easier for them because we get all ca- caught up in the emotional part of, oh, they're little handprints. How do you get rid of the handprints? You know, well, we also have a storage locker because we can't get rid of the handprints. Yeah, <laughs> that kind of stuff. But, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So, it, but the, the key is, and I've had a lot of people say, well, why didn't you guys just buy another house? Well, because we need this transition period right now. This is temporary living arrangements until we kind of figure out what's going to happen with my health. Um, I have to stay in the Portland area because this is where my trial is, but we also have a place at the coast so we can go hang down there when we really need some, some, uh, you know, nature, we have a a little cabin on a lake so we can go there or we can be in our little resort apartment. (laughs) You know, So we're really trying to put the positive spin on all this while we, kind of just get through this transitional period where we don't really know what's going on um, health-wise. And then now that the house is sold, we can make those decisions later, you know, and it's and it'll be easy with lots of options available. In fact, Bill and I have talked about maybe we'll live in Rome for a year once I get through this trial and my cancer has reversed um, and it's gone. And then we can go to, to Rome and live there for you know, period, which wouldn't hurt my feelings, but it's, it's been a, it was a big decision and we're finally, finally done with, with the move. So today's the day we hand off the key and, uh, and it's been, it's been hard, but so worth it. So worth doing. And I I know you're kind of in the same boat. So Sharon, are you there? Sorry about that. I put yeah. you on mute for a second. Oh, okay. Uh, my, the phone rang and I forgot to unmute you. Um, anyway, yeah, my um, uh, about a year ago, my uh, we, my husband and I went through that kind of similar process. We sold our house and then moved. We were going to do the travel trailer thing and like travel around or whatever, but we we wanted still to be able to be close enough to breast friends and, you know, whatever, the Portland area, because both of us were still working part-time. Well, <clears throat> long story short, we moved into um, a manufactured home in a 55 and above. And some communities like that are just amazing. Um, and But this one, it's a lot of really older people, and I'm not quite ready for that yet. I mean, to give you an example, this sweet older gentleman, wheeled himself in his wheelchair with oxygen <laughs> to our garage sale over oh the my. weekend. Yeah. And I was like, oh, my goodness, that's definitely a sign that I'm just, like, too young to be in this environment quite yet. <laughs> so, anyway, <clears throat> we're, we're making um, – additional moves who so are selling this place and uh and then going to be um a little more fancy free as well and so again i have no idea 
where that's going to land, but I think it's exciting. It has some good possibilities. So, Well, and what I think is really interesting is you guys downsized from, um, you know, a house into this into this place that you're at now, and now you're looking at downsizing again I know. to even a much, much smaller footprint. Is this yeah. going to be the travel trailer? <laughs> yeah, yeah. We're, we bought a fifth wheel, so yes, yeah. it is. Uh-huh. <laughs> wow. Well, listen, Sharon, we're going to go out to break, so um, stay tuned. We'll be back in a minute. Perfect. Thank you for listening today. Breast Friends needs your support. We rely on donations to keep our doors open and to keep this radio program alive. Please consider making a tax-deductible donation to Breast Friends. You can visit us at breastfriends.org. You can also like us on Facebook at Breast Friends of Oregon. For Breast Friends Cancer Support Radio, visit breastfriends.org and contribute today. When was the last time you felt free? It's time to uncover that feeling again with the compassion of a cross and shield and the power of a card that opens doors to the best hospitals and medical centers in all 50 states. Giving you the freedom to love, to dream, to dance like no one is watching. Regions Blue Cross Blue Shield. Live fearless. You are tuned into Breast Friends Cancer Support Radio. You may also send an email to Becky at breastfriends.org. Now, back to the show. Well, welcome back to our show. Um, we've been talking about transitions and, um, you know, how some can be difficult and some can be exciting and uh, and all you know, new norms are not necessarily positive. So, you know, we can talk about some more of that. Becky, did you have some questions for me? Oops, now I had you on mute, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> it's this doggone cough button, you know? It's like, how does this microphone know I'm going to need to cough? But, yeah. you know, it seems to know that. Anyway, <laughs> so Sharon, you've been a life coach for a long time. And, yes. you know, you've worked with a lot of different women, not just cancer survivors. But, you know, as you kind of work with some of these women through various transitions, and I mean, I know sometimes it involves, you know, loss of a loved one. It involves you know, maybe retirement or forced retirement or getting just basically downsized from a job. We see it happen all the time. And you've had plenty of opportunity to work with some of these women. And some of them handle it so much better or differently than others. And I'm just kind of wondering what are some of the contributing factors? You know, why can one person handle it so much different than someone else? They can be devastated where the other one's rejoicing maybe what what are some of those contributing factors I I honestly think that um, one big one is is just fear Um, you know fear can control us to the place where it can petrify us it can stop us in our tracks and even if it's a transition um, that we are looking forward to um, there's still fear around that. And again, sometimes it's how we deal with that fear. Um, For instance, I'm working with a new client and um, her hope is to get her master's degree. Well, last time we had a conversation and had lunch and just talk, 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 talk and whatever, 
she said the same thing, and she hasn't moved any closer to it. Mm-hmm. So, so we're talking about fear of the unknown or fear of what if it fear goes of wrong failing, or, fear okay. of the unknown, of um, okay. am I good enough? Oh golly, yeah, all that kind of stuff. And and again, for someone who hasn't been in school for a while, going back to school as an adult can be pretty daunting, right? Yeah, it you can remember be. that? I do. I'm glad yeah. I did it, but yeah, it was it was a little bit scary to think about doing all that. Yeah. Well, and as adults, um, she she confessed to me that she was a straight A student in in high school, so her expectations of what she does in graduate school are right up there too, right? Mm, and okay. and I, you know, she's very smart. She's very capable, but she hasn't gone to school in a long time. So again, that unsure that 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 part of the confidence that she had in high school, that was a long time ago. And so, but now she feels that having a master's would really help her push her into this next phase of her life. Well, then you're thinking, ooh, if I get my master's, then I'll be almost obligated to do what I had said I wanted to do. And then, because then the hurdle that she's put in front of her, uh, in, in front of herself, won't be there any longer, right? right? So, so again, it's just it is all about fear and confidence and and really like owning your dreams because a lot of us. I, I read something in a book um, just last night. In fact, there should be more. There, there should be less. Um, let's see if I can do this. Uh, wishbones. Then back, there needs to be more backbones than wishbones. Oh, I like that. I know, I know. <laughs> I thought that was interesting. I and never heard that. That's good. I had never heard it either. But it was like because really our our goals are really wishes, right? They're just mm-hmm. like whims or <clears throat> our thoughts or whatever. But they're not really goals until they have some like intention behind yeah. them and deadlines around them. Yeah. And I heard right. a long time ago a phrase that a goal is a dream with a deadline. Exactly. And, you know, because we all have dreams, you know, someday I'd like to, someday, well, as long as it's someday, it's not, there's no deadline on it. But the minute you put a deadline on it and start taking those little baby steps to make it happen, right. that's when it becomes a reality. I mean, I remember, Sharon, when you and I first kind of ventured out into this idea of of launching a nonprofit to help women with breast cancer, you know, and we came up with this idea and we actually used the idea as a, because you and I went to school together at Merrillhurst and um, we used that project idea for one of the classes that we took together. Yep. And, you know, we kind of had this this dream of helping women. We had no idea what it was going to look like, but through this class, we were able to kind of create a deadline of things, steps we wanted to have done by certain dates and certain times. Yeah. And and it and it evolved. And when you go back and look at that plan, all except for being on Oprah, <laughs> we've, <laughs> we've done most of that stuff, you know? Well, I mean and, and it was a roadmap for us. Yeah. It was like, okay, you can't do this until you do this and this and this yeah. and this up yeah. to it. So yeah. you can kind of work backwards even in yep. the, in your plan. If yep. this is your ultimate goal, then 
What do you have to do every single day? One little thing you can do to get closer to that mean yeah. goal. Yeah, and, that's exactly uh, right. It, it, and it makes all the difference. And and again, like you said, Breast Friends is an excellent example of that because it's almost been 20 years. <laughs> it has been. I'm like, <laughs> oh my gosh, that's crazy. But again, you know, whether it's, <clears throat> again, a transition that you're choosing or you're not choosing. Let's use that example of this woman who um, unfortunately, was, you know, broadside by by her divorce um, papers, um, you know, or or a downsizing or losing your job and you weren't planning on it, you know, that kind of thing. Those are those transitions that can be so painful. And, w- and if we wallow in the it's not fair and wow you why did it happen to me and all that stuff you really do miss the joy in that time frame and unfortunately this is not a dress rehearsal we only have a <laughs> you know a finite amount of time to to live on this earth and and unfortunately that's the one resource we cannot get back is time it we cannot get it back and so when you kind of come to that, like, I guess, realization, um, each day is very precious. And yes, you know, when something horrible happens, whether it's a cancer diagnosis or a, a losing of your job or your family's falling apart or whatever it happens to be, yeah, there's going to be some time that you need to grieve and you need to wallow a bit. But the problem is, we tend to wallow a long time, right? And we waste a lot of energy on stuff we have absolutely no control over. You know, we've said many times on this show, it's okay to go to the pity party because we're all going to be invited to them from time to time. Just don't (laughs) stay at the party too long, you know, because life does happen and things happen. And it's just sometimes it's a matter of sorting out the junk so you can see what's good. You know, this kind of reminded me and I wrote this down to make sure I I use this analogy. When we began our process of moving, um, when we actually sold the house, when we got to that point, should have started it months before. But, um, (laughs) you know, you have to go in and start you know, getting rid of stuff. And I, I remember walking into the garage and, you know, 27 years of of living in a big house and then have a garage where you can just throw all the, the crap that accumulates over all these years. <laughs> I remember the first day we were supposed to go get ready for a, for a garage sale, moving sale. And I couldn't see anything good in that garage because there was so much junk in the way. Right, right, And right. so the very first thing I did, and I was so proud, I picked up the, the very first thing that I would consider a piece of junk, literally junk, and I set it in the driveway, and I said, this is the beginning of our junk pile. Mm-hmm. And I called a junk company to find out what they would charge me to haul away the junk when I'm done, and right. that got a reasonable price. But pretty soon, Bill and I are both looking around the garage thinking, What's junk that can be thrown out? That was so much easier than trying to find the good stuff. Right. And by the time we got all the junk out of the garage and into a pile, I actually had room to have a moving sale. And I was able to bring some things from other parts of the house. And, and I made room for the good stuff because the junk was out of the way. Right. And sometimes we haul so much junk around with us that 
There's no room for the good stuff. We can't see the good stuff. We so, get Becky, paralyzed. Did you, did you just hear what you said? I did. That, that, <laughs> was, that was very profound because we're talking about junk in your garage, but yeah. I'm talking about junk, junk in, in your our head. lives. That's right. In That's your right. head. It's all the same. It you know? is. Yeah. So you got to clear up the junk. To get to the good stuff, right? Yep, that's right. I'm going to write a blog about that. <laughs> I love it. Yeah, just it's decided. A great, it's, a great, it's a great topic because yeah. the reality is, I mean, you can definitely see it from your garage scenario. Uh-huh. But but the reality is, if you have all the excuses, all the junk, right? All the mm-hmm. stuff, the reasons why you can't do X, Y, Z, all in the way. It's hard to see the good stuff, the goals, the things you can do, the things you do have control over to be able to really move forward. And so that is just an excellent, um, I guess, way of looking at uh, our lives in general because there is a lot of stuff in the junk. way yeah <laughs> yeah junk this was there. this was an eye-opening exercise for for both of us mm-hmm, to mm-hmm. to be able to go through and sort you know the hardest part like I mentioned was the, the handprints but that's just one example but going through the boxes in the garage with all the kids first grade report cards and all their little you know annual pictures did you send, did you send that to them what did you we, do we've actually boxed Bill had this brilliant idea he went to the post office and got five um like flat envelope or flat box, flat rate box, whatever boxes. And we just, and you addressed one to each kid and we put all their stuff, not, it won't all fit, but put a big chunk of it in there and we're going to just ship those off and let them decide if they, they'll they'll probably go, I don't need this stuff. And then they can throw it out and then we don't have the agony. Well, yeah. I mean, I still have a few things of of my daughters who moved away 11 years ago. (laughs) Oh, you know, <laughs> that that because you have the room to store, you keep them, right? Exactly. And maybe you mention exactly. them every once in a while. What do I do with this stuff, you know? Yep. And and just keep it, just keep it, you know? And you're like, well, I'm now I'm in the place where I don't want to pay to store it. So yep. Yep. now, so now it's, it's going to be a little different situation. <laughs> so good for yep. you. I know. It was, that was the hard part was, you know, so we do have a storage locker <clears throat> for some of those things and for some other <laughs> stuff. But, but how if long have, do you want to pay to store it, right? Exactly. Yeah. So when the kids come home, they have to go through their boxes of, of stuff that didn't fit in the flat rate box that we're going to ship to them. But but we'll figure it out. But bottom line, there is just so much stuff in our lives that just interferes with the joy that we could have if we could see the good stuff that was left. So I do encourage all of our listeners, look at some area of your life, one little area. Maybe it's a drawer that bugs you because it's full of junk. Clean out one drawer today, (laughs) you know, just one. And see how good that feels to get one drawer cleaned, throw the junk away, and and start fresh with that drawer. And then maybe you'll do a closet. And then maybe you'll tackle something significant in your life. The garage. And the garage. <laughs> <laughs> Gosh, I'm so glad that project's done. Oh my word. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah. <laughs> so again, Sharon, when, when you're when you're downsizing, that all that stuff is hard. Yeah. But it can be thrilling it can be really fun I mean when when we made the decision that we were gonna have a, you know the, the our community was having a garage sale so we're like well what the hell you know somebody else is um you know 
advertising it and whatever. Let's let's go ahead and join it. So we got on this like great like vibe of just going through stuff and realizing, you know, and and so it ended up being um, kind of a fun thing because we were doing it together, and it it. I didn't go into, you know, some of the stuff in that I like book, you know, like, like I went through all my books and all that kind of stuff. And like, is this something I'm ever going to pick up again? Or is it just filling up my bookshelf? True. I get that. Yeah. So I get that. Anyway, sorry, uh, you were going to ask me a question. I was because um, we have a couple minutes left before the next break. But I wanted to ask you because you kind of started to go down that path of talking about the person that has the kind of poor me. I'm so sad, sort of. Yeah. So really, you're talking about being the victim, right? Oh, you absolutely. Know, being the, yeah. So how do you go? Is there a way to go from being the victim to being okay with the change or maybe even to get excited about the change? Well, I think <clears throat> again, it depends on the circumstances and what, what we're talking, what topic we're topic talking about. But for, I'll, I'll use the example of maybe a forced downsizing. You know, maybe you mm-hmm. lose your job, for instance, and uh, you know, um, why? Why after all these years of loyal employment, mm-hmm. why would I be let go? Right. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, that that hurts because our identity is so wrapped up around stuff we do, right? Our mm-hmm. our jobs are like who we are in the world. And it's not really, but that's, you know, it feels that way. So being a victim in that situation, you know, we almost feel entitled to have that feeling. But the reality is um, there are going to be things that happen like, downsizing a mm-hmm. big company. I mean, it's just a numbers game sometimes and it's nothing personal, but guess what? Your name's on the block because you have this many years of service or whatever. Yeah. And and so it's it really isn't personal. Okay? So I think people have to figure out that. Is this really personal or is it just a circumstance that they have to deal with? That's but then good. also but, but also besides that, it's also the um Figuring out what responsibility did I have in this, okay? Um, Maybe you've been slacking off at at work, right? Maybe, yeah, there was some things. Maybe you're not as easy to get along with as X, Y, Z, other people. You know, I mean, there are personal responsibilities. Like, what, what, what did I contribute to this decision, Okay, and there may not be anything like a hurricane Katrina that came through. You know, obviously that's not your fault. You don't take responsibility for a hurricane, but at the same time, how you handle the situation is your responsibility. And that is a wonderful note to go out on. So let's go to break and we'll be back in a minute. for listening today breast friends needs your support we rely on donations to keep our doors open and to keep this radio program alive please consider making a tax-deductible donation to breast friends you can visit us at breastfriends.org you can also like us on facebook at breast friends of oregon for breast friends cancer support radio visit breastfriends.org and contribute today 
When was the last time you felt free? It's time to uncover that feeling again with the compassion of a cross and shield and the power of a card that opens doors to the best hospitals and medical centers in all 50 states. Giving you the freedom to love, to dream, to dance like no one is watching. Regions Blue Cross Blue Shield. Live fearless. Have you friended us on Facebook yet? Why not? Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for the keywords Voice America. Once you are part of our Facebook network, you'll receive daily messages about what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and new happenings at the Voice America Talk Radio Network. And you can add your voice to the always active discussions on our timeline. Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for Voice America. Are tuned into Breast Friends Cancer Support Radio. To reach the program today, please call us at 1 866 472 5792. Again, that's 1 866 472 5792. You may also send an email to Becky at breastfriends.org. Now, back to the show. Welcome back to the show. Um, we're talking about transitions and how some are perceived as positive and some maybe not so positive. And uh, Becky, you had a great thought um, over the break. Why don't you why don't you share that with us? Okay. Um, you know, and it's in- it's interesting because you were talking about forced retirement, forced downsizing, and I have a friend who um, kind of had this very same thing happen. You know, he works for a large company. He worked out of his home. And the company decided that all employees had to work out of an actual office. And since his offices were only located in New York and one in Texas, he had to choose where to move to from Portland. So he chose Texas, and that's where he was working. Now they're telling him that his department is going away and he needs to find a a new job in a different department within that same company or he has to leave. And, and it's like what about a two year space of that happening? Yeah, they won't. Yeah, yeah. he's only been gone a couple of years, so yeah. you know he bought a house down there, fixed it all up. It's beautiful, and now he's being faced with another decision to move. And I, I think Sharon, honestly, what happens sometimes, and it's beyond our control. So playing the victim really is not not even relevant in this situation but right, right, right. but basically, you know, a lot of companies, these large companies, they let go of people who have been there a long time because they cost more. And yes, they bring a tremendous amount of wealth and, or not wealth, uh, knowledge to the organization, which then brings them wealth. Right. Um, but they're looking just simply at, at dollars and cents. This employee costs this much. I could replace this one with a brand new one who will cost me half, mm-hmm. you know? And, and so they just look at the sheer dollars and cents of what could they save versus what they could make. And, and you, as that employee, if you are that long-term employee, you have no say over that. So yeah. you can you can whine about it, you can cry about it, you can get all stressed out about it, but the fact is, it's something that you have no control over, and that was one of the things I wanted to ask you about, too, because I know you work, again, as a life coach, you talk a lot about control. Mm-hmm. So why don't you talk yeah. for a minute about, you know, the things we do have control over and what we don't and how we kind of get connected to those. Well, and, and control is, is, <laughs> is one of those uh, things where it's, we, we would love to 
have control of our circumstances, but in most cases, that is an illusion. (laughs) So, um, you know, yes, uh, we have control over our thoughts, our attitudes, but the reality is we don't have control over anybody else and what their decisions are. So, for instance, this lady who got divorce papers, Uh, that was her husband, right? Mm-hmm. He made this decision for both of them without really having any conversation around mm-hmm. it. And just the divorce papers showed up, okay? Yeah. So she didn't have any control over that. Now, she has control over how she handles the divorce, how she talks to her husband, ex-husband, she has control over the negotiations that she is going to uh, go through in the next several months with this situation. Uh, same thing with with, uh, with the downsizing like we were just talking about. I mean, if a company makes that kind of decision, you know, again, you don't have a whole lot. I mean, you're an at-will employee. You don't have a lot of choice. You could be wearing a purple tie and they don't like you. So you leave, right? <laughs> so, I mean, that is part of the way the system works. But again, if you um, spend too long in that pity party we were talking about, uh, you probably won't look for another job and it's your old company's fault. Well, that's where the victim stuff comes in, right? Right. And that's where you do have choices and you have control of your actions and your thoughts and all of that. And so, and again, even if you did look for another job and you're still in that that place, that frame of mind, you, you won't probably get won't it. get a job yeah, because exactly. you'll walk in there with your head down and you'll feel insecure. And you know, you sometimes we—I hate to use this term—I'll um, use it. I'll say it differently. Sometimes we need to shake it off yeah. and just yeah, shake yeah. it off and say, you know, I'm better than that. Yeah, absolutely. And And of course, sometimes you have to fake it till you make it. You know, we've (laughs) talked about that too, because, you know, the reality is you feel very insecure about X, Y, Z, you know, whether it's like going back into the dating world or, or finding a new job or whatever your, your situation is. And so, yeah, you feel really insecure about that because again, you've been, victimized in that case right it feels Mm -hmm. like it but again if you act like a victim yeah you're not you're going to find yourself in a worse situation so I also wanted to talk about we talked just briefly about your identity and that kind of thing sometimes losing your job is that catalyst for going forward in something that you've dreamed about. You have this like really good job and, you know, good benefits and to leave that security and actually start up your new, your own business, this idea you've had and you've, you know, dreamed about it for, for months or years. And, but leaving your secure situation would be so hard, but now, this may actually be your opportunity to yeah. like grab onto that dream and go for it, right? And you may not have ever done it had you continued in that same position year you know, after year after year. I, I have to amen that, sister, so much because, you know, um, 
one of the things that people ask me all the time, how is it that you can survive cancer five times? Yeah. Well, because for that, that exact reason right there, you know, one of the things I always wanted to do was be on stage. I love, I love professional speaking. I love being on a stage. I love, you know, entertaining. I like to sing. I like to do all kinds of crazy stuff like that. But um, had I not been, and I use the term blessed, blessed with breast cancer, and I know we both have talked about that quite a, quite a bit in our <laughs> lives. If yeah. I hadn't been blessed with breast cancer, I never would have become a professional speaker. You know, I, I had tried going down different paths with like, you know, being a, a sales trainer and doing this, that, and the other thing, but it never, it never grabbed hold. It never hold. clicked. Never yeah, clicked. It wasn't until I had a, a, a new subject and the subject I had was about surviving breast cancer. Yep. Now I've got a message. Now I've got something I can talk to people about. And that and has your message me. keeps getting stronger. <laughs> yeah, doggone it. I think it's pretty strong. Now, can we stop now? <laughs> you know? I'm good now. I don't need any more. <laughs> but that really has been the thing, I think, is, you know, every time I get diagnosed with it, it's kind of like, okay, what am I supposed to learn now? What did I miss out on? What message is God trying to share with me? And I really believe that there are messages in these these journeys that we have to go down. And, you know, for me, like the first time I needed to change direction at work, it wasn't wasn't going well. I was putting in way too many hours. I needed to slow down. And, and God kind of looked at me. I just kind of picture him on the throne saying, well, you know, I got this, this person down here. She's a pretty good person, pretty decent, but she's way and they're going the wrong direction in her job. So let's slow her down. <laughs> So he did. Something to slow down. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) So, and then eight years later, I started finding myself kind of getting sucked back into that craziness, and and it's like, well, okay, she almost got it right. Let's try it again. Mm-hmm. And so we, I went through the second diagnosis, and that that one, like you were talking about, fear of the unknown. It's not yeah. wasn't as scary the second time because yeah. I'd already been through it once, been there, done that, and so I knew I could do it again. So I'm just looking at what what was I supposed to learn? Was well, because and I, I remember you came up with that so early after your second diagnosis. I think it was almost in the same. Almost the same day. Same day. I mean, (laughs) I think it might have been. I mean, it was it was so fast that you kind of went, you know, okay, I guess I have to do this again. But what do I need to learn now? Because I didn't, I didn't quite obviously get it. And I remember your son. You said something about um, what was it? He he said something about you're being diagnosed and you said, well, at least I'll get some time off. <laughs> and yeah. he goes, oh, mom, that's kind of telling. Yeah, he did. That was Micah. He's my youngest who's now, oh my gosh, they're getting so old. He's 34, just turned 34. He's yeah. my baby. Yeah. <laughs> he's. I'm so proud of him. He's fighting fires for the Oregon Fire Service. Oh, so he's, this is his wonderful? third year putting his yeah. life at risk and I'm very proud of him. But yeah, that's what he, when we were waiting for the, for the um, diagnosis and I said, well, if I have breast cancer again, the good news is I can take time off from work. And that's exactly what he said. That's a little telling. He says, you'd rather have breast cancer than go to work. And I thought, oh, my word. So I knew I knew the end yeah. was was uh, coming up soon. And it took me another year to get out of there. But but I did. And um, But I remember saying for a long time that the only thing worse than hearing that you have breast cancer would be to hear that you have it again. Mm-hmm. And then I found out when I had it again that it wasn't 
bad as the first time. Yeah. It was almost the exact duplicate on the other side. So been there, done that, knew what to expect. And so that part yeah. wasn't so bad. So, so it, that fear of the unknown, you know, wasn't there nearly as right. much because, right. of course, you had been through it and you'd beat it and right. all that. Yeah. Now, the yeah. third, fourth, and fifth times were a little different because each of those, they weren't supposed to come back. I mean, I had a double mastectomy, so I wouldn't have to worry about this anymore. <laughs> I and know. yet I got it a third time, which, you know, that one kind of surprised me. But again, again, I asked what is the message this time? And you know what it was, Sharon? Mm. We were sitting in the breast friend's office and a, guy, a gal from one of the pharma companies came in and she was talking to us. And she said, and she knew what I, that I was going through this for the third time. And she said, well, the good news is breast cancer isn't a death sentence anymore, you know? And it's like, well, for some people it is. But I remember yeah. thinking that, but also the feeling, I had to, I had to feel that comment from this position of someone who might die from this disease. Right. You know, when you kind of, most of us will survive it, but for some of us, you know, it gets a little more challenging as time goes on. So I had to feel it and I felt like God put me in that place to feel her say that so that I could make sure that when I'm out speaking, I don't say something like that too. Yeah. That your message was even stronger because yeah. of that. Yeah. And I knew she was trying to be supportive and helpful. So I didn't judge her. I didn't get mad about it. I knew what she was trying to do. But the problem is if you just lost a mother, you just lost a sister, or you yourself are facing, you know, metastatic breast cancer like I am this time. I mean, it's in my lungs now. So I, you know, we're trying to deal with that. But I, we always have to give people hope because still they're improving things all the time. They're coming up with new solutions and new treatments. And this trial is very promising. We just have to find the right combination. So we're really hoping for a good outcome. But had I not gone through this the fifth time, I wouldn't be able to participate in this trial, which, mm-hmm. if we're successful, will go on to support other women right. when they can release it. You know, like the FDA just released this trial for this trial drug for women who have HER2, no, I'm sorry, triple negative metastatic cancer. So yeah. it's been approved for them. Now we're trying to approve it for estrogen fed cancer. That's and great. I'm part of that trial. And if we have success with it, who knows? The floodgates will open for the women that can be saved from this. Exactly. So it's kind of cool to be a part of that, you know? Scary, yes. So looking because, for the blessings is yeah, so big. Yeah, it really is. So, you know, on, on that, and I guess this is, <laughs> I can't believe how fast this show went today. But um, so, I, you know, for all of our listeners out there, wherever you are in your life right now, don't give up. Look for something good every day. Go clean out a drawer, clean out a closet. <laughs> Find some little piece of crap in your life and get rid of it so that you can focus on the good things because there's so much in abundance. And on that note, um, I just want to remind you, we will be here next week. So until then, there's always hope and we're here to help you find it. Thank you for listening to Breast Friends Cancer Support Radio. Please join Sharon Hannafin and Becky Olson again. There is always hope, and we'll help you find it. We'll talk again next time.